Life Uncut podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This episode is recorded on Gadigal land of the Aurora Nation. another episode of Life Uncut. I'm Brittany. And I'm Laura. And this is our Ask Uncut episode where we answer all of your deep, dark and burning messed up questions. Actually, to be honest, the questions on today's episode are pretty reasonable, I think. They're like, no, they're great. They're good. But then yeah. like, there's none that are like really, it's they're- not like, hey, how do I have anal sex? And you know, when, when, I don't even know where I was going <laughs> <about. laughs> How do I have anal sex and eat a burger at the same time? Yeah. Well, you just do it. Okay. Well, I mean, could you imagine trying to have anal sex and eat a burger at the same probably time? Deli- people, that's probably some people's dreams. I mean, everyone's got a kink. We're not here. Two birds, Not here to yucky yum. That's for sure. Okay. This, we went do so you know wrong what? on this intro. I woke up so fucking sick this morning guys I like, also love that I'm sitting across from you when you tell me this <laughs> okay I woke up with all of the symptoms that one might think that they would have if they were to have COVID and then I went on to and this is not sponsored this is not a sponsored promotion well, however, I don't know what it is but maybe it should be sponsored I have a recommendation so I woke up and I was like oh god I'm getting so sick mind you I think I'm just run down from like not sleeping and you know just Sorry. everything else so milk run I didn't oh. know about this, but I needed to get a rat test and I also needed some emergency nappies because we were down to our single last nappy in the morning. And I downloaded the Milk Run app and then 10 minutes later, not even, it was like eight minutes later, my rat test and my nappies were here. Okay, so I have only And used- they gave us some free M&Ms. Did they? Yeah, like a tiny little packet, sample size. Cute. Everyone raves about Milk Run. I don't know how they do it. I don't know how you can press go and then the order is at your house in five minutes. Like, where are you coming from? Do they lurk in every single street in case someone puts the order in? I can't even get both kids in the car. In that time. And to (laughs) a shop in the same time it took them for me to place the order and them to come. And I know know that there's people listening to this and you guys are going to think we're getting paid for this segment. We're not. We're absolutely not. And Milk Run. If you are listening, you're amazing and maybe you should jump on the podcast. And if anyone doesn't know what they are, the only reason I knew what they were is because – and actually, it's so funny you say this because I saw so many people over the last probably two months posting about Milk Run, but everyone was saying the same thing. Everyone was like, guys, this is not sponsored. I just can't believe but how all, incredible they are. It's like, how does it work? It's like magic. That, yeah, the magicians. Yeah. I mean, better than Uber where you have to wait 45 minutes in the rain for them to come and then they cancel. Oh, speaking of rain – Sydney, wow, Sydney got hit by the floods, uh, the wind, the storms the last couple of days were absolutely insane. But I thought my house was going to collapse. I was sitting in the lounge room by the window with Delilah. Now, I leave the door open for Delilah so she can come in and out. I've got quite like a roomy backyard. I know what your backyard's like. your house. It used yeah. to be mine. <laughs> Mind you, Britt also now in that backyard has an F off gum tree. Like I'm talking a humongous gum tree that is like just absolutely towering over the backyard. So Laura will know this, but they've been trying to get this gum tree taken down for a long time, not because it's inconvenient, but because they thought it was dangerous. A house, essentially, you know, the big ones that they look like 50 years old, it would be horrific to take it down. But the house probably should have never been built that close to a tree of this size. Anyway, I heard this, I can't even explain what it sounded like. And the whole house shook. And I was like, oh, my God. And the, you couldn't even hear. The wind was howling. I went outside and this whole gum tree had fallen 
into my backyard onto the balcony above me and was completely blocked. I couldn't get in, I couldn't get out. It was huge. If we were out, like it legitimately would have killed someone. I can see why it's so dangerous to be out in storms for a multitude of reasons when it's like this. Everybody who lives in like North Sydney, and you guys might have seen it on the news if you're not from Sydney at all, but there was some really extreme flooding that was happening over in Manly area yesterday, which was the day before yesterday for anyone listening today. Yeah, I just want to say like everyone who's continuously affected by what is going on at the moment, we are all thinking of you. Absolutely. But let's move on to hopefully by the time you're listening to this, hopefully (laughs) we're out of the storms. Hopefully it's done. We've seen the back end and we can all as a country start to move forward. But I want to tell you, Laura, about something that someone has done. We have a lot of heroes in Australia at the moment going around in in all these natural disasters, but there's one in particular that has been labelled Man of the Year. Oh. Has nothing to do with storms, has nothing to do with anything. Isn't Man of the Year usually done by like, what's that magazine that does like the hottest man of the year? Is that what we're talking about? Yeah, no. (laughs) And it was the guy with the dad bod. This, oh yeah, that we're like, why are you Man of the Year? This was an unofficial Man of the Year. This is just like TikTok and the news hailing him as Man of the Year. This is like just people that want to be with this person because they just think it's amazing. I mean, considering of all the heroic things that have happened in the last six months, all the incredible things that humankind have done, I would like to ask what makes this man the man of the year? And I'm feeling like it's going to be something incredibly lowbrow. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> you got me. His name is Max Sylvie. He's 25. And there is, he's been labelled man of the year and like such an incredible catch is he was on Tinder doing his thing, swiping away, wanted to meet someone, wanted to go on some hot dates. And he came across Alyssa. Alyssa was 20 years old. He was like, Alyssa's cute. Alyssa was also on Tinder. Alyssa was like, I want to meet some people too. I want to go on some dates. I want to bang. I want to whatever she wants to do. Alyssa was also six months pregnant. Now, she wasn't with the father or for whatever reason, she was out there wanting to date and she was very open about it. She said, I didn't try and hide anything. Like you, you I mean, you literally have... can't hide it. You're six months pregnant. Well, you could in the photos and you could turn up to the I'm date just... and there's like my belly. If ever anyone was going to do this, that is like the most extreme form of catfishing. Like, I'm sorry, you don't quite look like your photos. It looks like there's an entire other human inside yeah, you right yeah. now. It's the one thing you cannot catfish. So she's, she's like, no, I just owned it. She's like, I wanted to, you know, still date. So I was like, hey, I'm six months pregnant. Here I am wanting to date. So they came across each other and Max was like, I never normally would swipe yes to somebody that was pregnant. He's like, I just wouldn't because I didn't want, you know, there wasn't my time in my life. The quote unquote baggage. Yeah, yeah. So, but he said there was something about her. Didn't know what it was, something about it. So he swiped yes. They matched. They went on a couple of dates, but he's like flying, flying out. They don't live together. So over probably, I don't know, don't quote me, maybe like six weeks, they went on four dates, three dates, I should say. On the fourth date, he was flying in to see her and she was on the way to the airport to pick him up and she went into labour. So she had to detour from the airport on their fourth date, fourth time ever they've met each other, messaged him. She's like, this baby is coming. And then he had to get in a taxi and go to the airport. And then he was her birthing partner. He was in the hospital with her while she gave birth to the baby. Now they live together. They're a couple and he's like the baby daddy. So I've got a little grab here. I'm just going to play it because it's actually, they're actually so cute. And I tell you what, some things obviously really are just meant to happen. Like life is supposed to go a certain way for certain people. And this was definitely the way for them. So Max and I have been together for eight weeks before he came to my birth. And out of those eight weeks, he'd probably only gone on three or four dates with me. So the fourth date was him coming to my labor and birth and delivery. Like what? And we're still together now, thankfully. 
So the thing here is too where it gets bigger and better is that it wasn't just that he was like, oh, I'm just going to do her a solid. Like we're supposed to be on the date. It would be awkward if I didn't go and help her through the birth. Like he's not just like, oh, I'll just go because I'm already here and I'm, she was picking me up and I got nowhere else to go. I mean, I wondered what you do at that time. Like do you, you go in, you're the birthing partner. Do you then cut the umbilical cord? Like is that is that your role? Was it kind of like... I guess on fourth date, assumed that he was going to be involved or did he have a moment where he was like, I think I'm going to be a daddy? At that point, he didn't have an option. She was like, I'm going to labour, I'm going to hospital right now. What I would hope in that situation is pretty standard response. I Okay, I'll meet you there, like make sure you're okay. But what happened was it was a bit of a, a premature labour, like a bit of a false alarm. So they got there and then they said, look, you're not quite ready. She went home. They sent her home. She went to, She was like in labour, quotations, for seven days. So he was there for that period. There's a bitch her. of a pre So it's not just like, yeah, it's not just like he just like did her a solid on the day because he was already on the, the quote unquote date. He went with her for a week, helped her through it, then went back and went through the labour with her for seven hours. Then he took a week off work, like paternity leave. He took a week off and helped her because she didn't have anyone else. And now they're, they're completely in love and they're moving in together. And I think it's just the most wild, craziest story. But this is why on TikTok, it's just exploded and everyone's saying that he's man of the year. People are nonstop commenting, does he have a brother? Does he have a cousin? Does he have a twin? How do I get me one of these men? It's just gone bonkers. I think this, okay. I think this is so interesting for a couple of reasons. One, like very happy for them. I'm very happy that they everything worked out incredible for them. They're so cute. You should see them. I know, like amazing, adorable. And I love that like, you know, somebody has stepped, like he has stepped up to the plate and, and taken on that incredible responsibility of like being a father figure to this baby when he absolutely didn't have to. But I do think obviously this is an incredibly unique situation and coming out of just having a baby as a woman is a really, it's a very transformative time. It's also a very stressful time and it's not a time that would really lend itself to the beginning of a relationship. However, I do think that there is like a greater conversation in this around why, as a society, do we deem single women who have kids way more undateable than like a man who has kids? And the reason why I say this is because everyone jumping on this being like, oh my God, he's man of the year. I know women. I know women who have gotten into <laughs> relationships with a guy who has a newborn baby. Obviously, he wasn't with his ex, but she was pregnant. Like, I know women who have done that and we don't think of them as woman of the year. Why do we have such a different lower standard for a guy when a guy chooses to be in a relationship with a woman who's got a newborn baby? Well, I think it, this, it, that is entirely a very great question, Laura. Thank because you. of the fucking patriarchy! <laughs> no, I think that, no, I think that there is a level where we know a newborn child relies far more heavily on the mother. So, and unfortunately, moving forward, I know a lot of, couples that have split and they share custody of their children. I've had a lot of friends that did it growing up. I've got a lot of people I know now that do it with their kids. It's not often that you find a split couple that is 50-50. It's very rare. Usually it's like 80% of the time the children are with the mother figure because it's impossible to disrupt a child's schooling and things like that by doing 50-50. So most relationships, and I'm not speaking for everyone, but most of the time it's like kids will spend 80% of the time with the mother so they're at the same all week they're at school they've got consistency they've got routine and then the the dad often will get the weekends or every second weekend all the fun stuff so I think what it is is I think when a woman approaches a man like that there must be a level I'd probably think the same thing there must be a level of oh okay he's got a kid but they're not full-time they don't live with him all the time he's still I'm still going to have access to this person to have you know 
a lot of alone time and a lot of time to get to know each other. But for the guy entering for a newborn, I guess it's like this baby is going to be stuck to that woman's body, that the totally. breast. Like you know totally. that how needy and dependent they are. So I think that is like a small level. And I, I do get what you're saying. I completely agree with that. And I almost think that even that, like those roles are so heavily steeped in the way society views the role of a mother and the role of a father. And like single dads, are deemed and like obviously this is not my opinion by any means but I think that like society still has long-stemming views on this single dads are more accessibly dateable than single mums and I know that a lot of newly single mums had that fear around like well am I going to meet somebody else is anyone going to want to date me when I've got you know a, a child or multiple children or whatever it is it's definitely like a very unique time getting back into dating when you have kids. And I know this because my mum was a single mum of three children and she went through multiple dating relationships while we were kids. But I think it's so interesting that it's so steeped in the way women have been viewed. I've gotten real deep on this, guys. I know this is supposed to be this is supposed to be a lull. We've gone into very feministic chat. But think about it. Back in the 1930s, for example. Oh, we are going. Yeah, back. we're going right back. If you were a woman, if you were a woman and you had a baby outside of wedlock, you were like, if you didn't have a man, you, oh, you didn't have a plan. You were done. So like. It's, we still have the remnants of that in our society. We can't escape it. So when a guy takes on a relationship with a person, a woman who's just had a baby, he's seen as a hero because who would date a woman who's pregnant or who would date a woman with a baby? Well, yeah, and I, I kind of challenge that sort of mentality. I think it's really dependent too. There's so many factors here. Now that we're getting into it, Laura, I was supposed to be a volcano, but <laughs> there is <laughs> like, I was bringing the laughs and yeah, I'm like, okay. let's go down and get super feminist. Well, don't I regret that? <laughs> no, I will find a different chat next time. No, I just think for this particular, for Max and Alyssa, for their particular story, I think people are just loving him so much because he just didn't let anything get in the way of his judgment he felt something he felt the connection yeah she was six months pregnant but he didn't shy away from that and then when push came to shove it wasn't like he was like oh you know what like before the responsibility comes before the baby comes we'll, we'll date each other for a few months he just committed it didn't deter him and I think unfortunately like you just said the reason we're praising him is because most of the time someone would run most of the time they wouldn't even they wouldn't even consider that they wouldn't even open the book Totally, because they wouldn't just, even give it a chance. They wouldn't give it a chance. You, and this is the thing. It is silly because we are used to seeing people run the other direction that when they don't, we're, we hail them, we praise them. Do you know what? Actually, I went to an International Women's Day like talk yesterday for Murray Claire and Dylan Alcott was talking about it. And Dylan Alcott was on stage with his partner, Chantelle. We've had her on the podcast before. Chantelle's an incredible sexologist. She's a worldwide renowned sexologist. And just a legend. A fucking legend. We love her. Chantelle Otten. Now, they are in an awesome relationship together and they were on stage talking about it and one of the things that Dylan said was that he was like as somebody who is disabled I grew up thinking maybe I would never be able to be in a relationship because an able-bodied person wouldn't give me a chance you know like the limitations on how we view things in society and I know that that it's not the same thing I get that like they're two kind of different kettles of fish, but I hate that we look at a whole group of people as being less dateable than somebody else. And just in case anyone doesn't know who Dylan Alcott is, he is an incredible tennis player. He is in a wheelchair. He's been in a wheelchair forever. And he is with the sexologist Chantel, who we just spoke about. And they're just an incredible couple. and Power couple. Chantel spoke about the time she met him and the attraction. And she just said she went with a friend to his book signing. Dylan had written a book. She didn't really know much about him or she wasn't there for him. She was there as the accessory to the friend. And she just said she saw him signing the book and she, they looked at each other and she's like, I don't know 
what it was. And I just think this is the cutest thing in the world. She's like, I don't know what it was, but I just wanted to know him from right from then. She was in love. Yep. So there was exactly the same thing as we're getting so off track. But it's exactly the same thing as Max and Alyssa. <laughs> we do have questions to answer in today's episode, I promise. You know, one thing I want to say and kind of finish off on this talk about, what's the names? I don't even know the names. The couple. Max and Alyssa. Max. Hang on. What decade are you taking us back okay. to now? <laughs> no, I'm in, the, I'm in the now. Max and Alyssa. On one hand, I think, yes, amazing that he gave the relationship a chance and therefore they were able to form this incredible connection and his life has changed forever now that he's like, he got an instant girlfriend, he also got an instant family. But I also think it's really incredible of her that at six months pregnant, she didn't look at that as being, no one's going to love me. No one's going to want to be like, with me. She's like, fucking sign me up. Yeah, she was Tinder, like. Bumble, Hinge, I'm on there. Yeah, she was like, I am pregnant, yes. But you know what? I'm still worthy of being in a relationship and I'm still worthy of being loved and I'm going to still put myself out there. And I think that that is so much more incredible than somebody coming to the table going, oh, I can love this person. Absolutely. Hats off to you, Alyssa. Yeah. She's, and a look, real, some, she's a real MVP of the story. Some people are supposed to get their happy endings. This was 100% one for them, but I'm here for it. All right, now let's get into <laughs> the questions for today. We have had some cracker questions come in. Thank you to every single person who has written in, slid into the DMs. We've picked a few doozies. Question number one. I would love to know where you girls stand on the below. When I first turned 18, long story short, after three months of dating behind my back, my best friend revealed that her and my brother had been hooking up. To their absolute shock, this was not something that I was comfortable with, nor would I accept it. And because of this, I lost my entire friendship group and my brother. Can you imagine how this affected my mental health? That relationship lasted just over one year. Over the past three years, my brother and I have rebuilt our friendship and our relationship and are closer than ever. Now, last weekend was my best friend's birthday and after everything, my other best friend and he got closer and closer as the night went on. Again, I voiced that I wasn't comfortable with this to my friend who knew exactly how I felt all those years prior. I just want to know, am I crazy to feel uncomfortable by this? And where do the boundaries lie in terms of your friends hooking up with your brother? Dun, dun, dun. Mate. I think it's fine. Oh. Let your friend screw your brother. Let him have some fun. Have a bit of fun. <laughs> I get why you're like, oh, not ideal. Like, don't really want my brother screwing my best friend. But at the end of the day, you guys are adults and they had a relationship for a, an entire year. Like, they obviously genuinely cared about each other, loved each other, wanted to be together. You're adults. It's normal for them to probably crush on each other because they're meeting each other. Like if you are close with your brother and your friends, then you're all going to be in the same sort of circles. We obviously don't know what went down. When you said I lost my entire friend group and my brother, I'm not sure why that would have happened unless something happened within the group. I don't think that necessarily if your friend and your brother date that you have to lose a friend group. Like I'm sure there's a way you can work around it. Maybe you're just too uncomfortable to sit there and witness, like physically look at it. That's okay. But I think you can't, I don't think you can honestly tell your friend, no, you can't date my brother because you guys are adults. They like each other. I think you've just got to try and find a way to be okay with it. I hooked up with my brother's friend when I was younger. I thought you were about to say you hooked up with your brother. Oh, yes, because that's <laughs> that's what I would say, Laura, in this After trip. two and a half years on this podcast, oh, Brittany Hockley <laughs> reveals the true deep, dark and secrets. 
I think it's normal. I think like when you, especially if you have family, like my brothers, I have two older brothers. They were only like 18 months older than me, 18 months and two and a half years. So like growing up, that's not a normal age difference. So they were always around. We're always playing sports together. Of course, like I went and made out with a few of them. I say that like a standard. Standard, but of course. <laughs> it kind of is. But also, I mean, if you've got the same group of friends, like if you're close in age, you share similar friends, like yes, it may make you feel a little bit uncomfortable, but you don't get to have ownership over your brother or your best friend. You can't tell them what they can and can't do. And like that, so long as you put some boundaries in place in terms of like, okay, guys, like you guys have to behave like adults. If you fucking cheat on each other, like do not put me in the middle of this. I don't want to be in the middle of your warfare if things go wrong. Then I think it's fine. And I think it's really almost controlling to think that you can say like, do not do this or I'm never going to speak to you. And I understand when you say, you know, that you lost your friendship group, I guess like you were an active part in losing your friendship group. Like you having such strong opinions and being so adamant that it couldn't happen was actually why you lost your friendship group. It wasn't so much them hooking up. It was your response to what had happened that made the situation so much more problematic than what it needed to be. And I think it's about perspective because if you take a step back and look at it this way, whoever your family members, brothers, sisters, whoever, whoever they date, you want to end up being friends with them. So if your brother brings a new girlfriend home, at the end of the day, you want to get along with them. You want them to be part of the family. You want them to become a friend. So why don't you look at it in a different way as you're lucky enough to have already had them as a friend. You know you like them. You know that they fit into the family. You know that they're good to be around. So why don't you look at that as a plus? Like, you know what? I fucking love my best friend. She's a great human. I would love my brother to be with someone that I love as a human. So I think... And I know that's not, you know, easier said than done, but perspective is a really powerful thing. So maybe you're looking at this through the wrong lens. The other part of this that I think can be the little bit of a hurtful part is like when you say they kept it from you for three months, it could be that maybe you feel like you were left out or like you were lied to. You know, it's the um, it's the deceit there that kind of makes you feel a little bit more isolated from their relationship. You're like, you're like, oh, well, we, my, my best friend is so close. We share everything. And now she's not sharing that with me. She's sharing it with my brother instead. Probably because she knew you were going to react like this. Totally. Like they know that your reaction is going to be severe and they really like each other and they want to be together. And like, it wasn't just like a drunken hookup once. It was something where they had evolved feelings. And yeah, I just, I think in this instance, Obviously, there are going to be some relationships that unfold in life. Maybe, for example, if it was your friend hooking up with your ex, different situation. But your friend hooking up with your brother, somebody who you don't have a romantic connection with, somebody who you shouldn't have that much jealousy over, makes me go, where is that coming from? Like, why do you feel so protective of keeping those relationships independent. And is it because you don't want anyone to get hurt? Is it because you don't think your brother is very, maybe he's a great guy, but he's pretty crappy in relationships. Like maybe there are other reasons here at play, but I still think that when they're two consenting adults, you just got to leave them to go and figure that shit out for themselves. And of course it comes with complications. Like if there's a fight, maybe she's not going to tell you because it's a brother. Usually you'd run to your friend and you'd you'd unload. Maybe that's not going to happen. Maybe you're worried that when it ends, it's going to cause a big rift. Maybe that will happen. At the end of the day, you can't control that. You can't control the future. You don't know what's going to happen. You can't control them as individuals, but they are adults that are making a choice. Totally. And there has to be a level of respect. If my brother came home and was like, hey, I'm banging your friend, I'd be like, what the fuck? I'd be like, (laughs) oh, I'm not saying you need to be thrilled about it. I'm I'm not saying that, you know, he should walk in and be like, hey, guess what? I just had sex with Cindy. And you're like, yes, high fiving him. I'd be like, no, bro, there's so many people. But if he was like, I really like, I want to date her. I'd be like, okay, great. So I think like, that's it, right? You can be 
a little bit annoyed or you can be a bit like, oh, I wish it was anybody else but her. But I wouldn't be sacrificing the friendship because when you put the rules in place and said you can't date each other and then they went and did it because they're grown adults and they decide what they want to do for themselves because they're independent people with their own brains. The fact that they went against your wishes, so then you were like, well, I can't be friends with you anymore and it's damaged the relationship so much. I genuinely think like that adverse reaction is on you more so than on them as a couple. And that's probably going to be a really hard thing to swallow. So let your friend hook up with your brother. Your fair friend, <laughs> fuck your brother. I mean, unless, um, one, one last thing, this does only get tricky and I would be putting my foot down if – they were doing the wrong thing in terms of if one of them had a partner or was seeing someone and, and you knew there were boundaries crossed, I'd be like, pull your head in totally to either of them. That's also because that affects you as a person. Do you know what I mean? Like if your morals and yeah, totally. If there's like something else in the mix here that like really puts a strain on you, like you having to keep a secret or it creates drama in your life more than just the fact that you don't like the idea of your friend and your bro hooking up. If their union is creating an immense amount of drama because there's other things that are going on, then I would understand why you're so upset. But if it's purely just that your friend and your brother have feelings for each other, I just don't think that you can control your friend and your brother. You can't control them. I remember. How many How many of your brother's friends? Because you've got older brothers. I think three in total. <laughs> you're like, I know it was seven. But three over like three over a very, very long time. Like I'm 35. So it wasn't, wasn't like, and this is just three people that they've been friends with, but there's one in particular when we were younger, like we were probably only 16 or 17. So he would, if I was 16, he would have been 18 or 19. And I'll never forget this one time. It didn't, and I had known him for a long time. Like we were like, grew up together. He was like my brother's best friend since we were little. So to me, he was was, like your brother. Yeah. He was so close to the family, but he was, we always got along so well. He was so funny. And I'll just never forget. We went out for about five minutes. He, we made out one time. We're like, this is cute. Like maybe there is something there. And he went and picked me up. It was like, we were at like a house party. Had you told your brother at this point in time? You were like, okay, this is He was at a house. It was a house party. So it was like, and we were were just like, oh, we've had a few drinks. It was nothing. Like lol, laughed it off. And then he was like, I've always had a crush on you. Can I take you on a date? And I'm only 16. So like, where do you go? Went to the movies. So he, and he was driving. He was older than me. And I'll just never forget. I told my brother at this point, he had as well. He's like, I'm going to, I would like to take Brit out. Like there was no hiding it. And my mum my and dad were like, what the fuck? Like, because he's grown all, up with us. Yeah. All the guys. They probably were like, it's like you're dating your brother. You're dating your like unofficial stepbrother. And I'll just never forget. He came and it was, it was like a proper date. He came and knocked on the door, even though he never even had to knock. He could have just walked in because that's how family he was. And I, everyone answered and everyone was like, bye. It was like this real <laughs> weird formal, like going on a date. And we took him to the movies and then we went, had a, like, went to movies, kissed at the end. And then we had this feeling of like, this is so wrong. Like this is not, we get along so well because we've known each other our whole life. There is absolutely nothing here. So that lasted five seconds, but I'll just never forget that awkward moment when all of a sudden he turned from the family friend to the man taking Brittany on a date. It was so funny. Do you know what's weirder than hooking up with your brother's friend? I didn't like, I have a brother, but he's 10 years younger than me. So like we, ne- that was never, there was I never mean, any risk of that I mean, happening. I mean, probably close. Yeah. If it was, Seven years. <laughs> I was going to say, if it was you, Brett, like it'd be fine. But like, I, I don't, I don't date down guys. I don't date younger men. Well, that's where you so, got wrong. Yeah. <laughs> zero judgment. Just not for me. So I have a sister who's three years older than me, who I'm obviously super close with. And I, when I started going out, when I was 18, going out to nightclubs and stuff, 
I'll never forget this guy came up to me and, and he was so hot and we hooked up and I was like, oh my God, like maybe I'm going to date this guy. And then I found out at the, on the same night that my sister had already slept with him and he knew. So you didn't sleep with, oh, so he knew, but you didn't. So I had no idea. I had no idea that she'd hooked up with him. I had no idea that there was overlap. He knew and he didn't tell me. But and I was like, like, I do not want my sister's sloppy seconds. So even though we no. kissed and he was beautiful. Oh, so you, you still goodbye. made out with- Because I didn't know. I kissed him before I found out. Oh my God, I didn't kiss him afterwards. I've definitely never hooked up with anyone that my sister's hooked up with. But if this is like Mitch Cherry on Tuesday's episode, the interview we did with Mitch, his, his accidentally unfiltered was the fact that him and his sister made out with the same woman on the same <laughs> night. Like <laughs> Wild. Keep it in the family, guys. I think that's great. Okay, all right. I have another one. My partner and I have been together for two years now. He has an ex that he's still in communication with because they shared a car and they have joint expenses for that car. So I think it sounds like she's still paying him back. Taking a loan out or something. Yeah, so she's still paying him back in installments. I know that they don't really talk much, like maybe once every couple of months, and it's always only ever about the car. I know this because I confronted him about it once before and he showed me everything. However, my issue is that whenever they do speak, it's always super flirty, even if it's just about the car. Should I just not even worry about it as it's so little or is this a red flag? When he showed me the messages, I did ask him why they were talking like that and he said it was to make sure that he stayed on good terms with her so that he could get the money. Fair. Do you, but like flirty. It, I mean, subjective. What's flirty? Flirty to someone else is not flirty to another person. So like if True. they're saying, hey, here's the payment for the car. Also, Cute. miss your dick. Like, cool. What if, it's still, what if it's still pet names? Like, hey, cutie. Hey, pooch. Whatever. Yeah, that's not cool. But also it depends. Is it one-sided? Is it just her that's still flirting or is he and he just responds like normal? Or Ooh. is he responding flirtily like good, good a, question well yeah. I, by the sounds of things it sounds like he is partaking in it because he's saying he wants to get the money back but also if he's shown if he's openly shown you the text this is where i always think like does he not think it's that bad if he's like yeah have a look what i'm saying does he not think that it's as flirty as maybe you think it is I, and it's hard to know without us seeing the text but at the end of the day you're gonna have to have a level of trust with your partner yes it sounds like for whatever reason, these installments for the car are going to have to continue. So that is something that you cannot change. So it's something you either need to get on board with and accept. Maybe you say, I would love to keep looking at the exchanges or you could honestly just say, I feel a bit uncomfortable by that. I don't think you need to keep her that on side. Could you wind back the pet names? Could you just keep it a bit more business oriented? There's so many things you can chat about. I do agree with you, but I do think that there must be a level of insecurity here if you've already said you need to show me the messages. Like if there's, if you've already come to a point where your partner's had to show you all the text messages between him and his ex, there's already been a level of insecurity. So like if you have those insecure feelings, like some, not that I'm saying he's done anything wrong, but like often there's a reason why, you know? And if you then go looking, you'll always find something that will make you upset or that will, can be interpreted in a certain way. So my thing in this is like, I guess unpack where and why those feelings came about in the first place. Like if if they're only speaking so intermittently, is there something else that's happened that's made you feel like you can't trust him, that's made you want to look at the messages between them? I think, I think personally, the most jealousy and insecurity for sure comes from someone's past relationship. Oh, retroactive jealousy. We've done a whole episode on it, baby. Of course, you can be jealous and insecure about anything. But like when I look at a relationship like that or when I look at my partner's exes or anything, any people in their life, 
I would be the most insecure about somebody in his past. 100%. Because to me, I'm like, well, you were in love with that person at some stage. You had a connection with them at some stage. So I understand why when you're trying to move forward in a relationship and he has to be stuck in the past, I understand why. But this is something else you need to think about and that you could speak to your partner about. If she's just making installments, there's no reason you need to speak about the car. There, there really isn't. Put a direct debit. Every fortnight, every month, the money comes in. The only time you should be speaking is if the money hasn't gone into the account for some reason. You need to find out why. Or maybe something disastrous has happened with the car. You need to make a claim, something like that. But at the end of the day, this is what you owe. These are my bank details. Put them in. So have that conversation. There, there doesn't seem to be a need for these flirty text messages. Well, that's why I'm kind of like I've questioned the whole thing because it's like – surely you don't need to keep someone so romantically on side just to get money out of them. Like maybe there is an, an element of him where he still has some attachment or he has still has some like residual feelings. And that's why you feel the fear or the worry that you feel. And and I agree with you, Britt. I do think that genuinely like we can feel so much jealousy and like it's almost like the ground zero for comparison culture is like comparing yourself to your now partner's ex-girlfriends you know and being like well what did they have and what didn't they have and why didn't the relationship work out and you can fixate on those things but it is challenging having and being in a relationship with someone who's constantly dipping back to their ex especially if that's creating anxiety in you so I think have the conversations around it but put some boundaries in place like you know if it is pet names if it is flirty outlining why that's making you upset, even though you shouldn't have to, even though that should be clear as day. Let's assume that, you know, he's a bit of an idiot and doesn't benefit understand of the doubt. why. Benefit yeah, of the doubt. Give him the benefit of the doubt, explain why it makes you upset and then see where things land. But if he can't acknowledge or accept that that's making you upset or change any of his behavior and he genuinely thinks it's fine, then maybe he's just keeping her there because he likes the attention too. He likes getting that little bit of affirmation every couple of months, you know, knowing that she's still... And not that that's okay. Slightly invested in him. No, it's terrible. And like, you know, you shouldn't have to deal with that in a relationship. But I think that it's one of those things where like you have to kind of attack it from all sides. Yeah. Just put the direct debit in. (laughs) Fuck off. Do a fucking direct debit. There's absolutely no reason for you to talk to each other every month about a car. It's not a kid. No, I shared a house with like a mortgage with my ex-partner. We shared that house for 18 months, two years after we broke up. We were in you know, we went separate ways. We still made all the payments. We still did everything we needed, but we only contacted each other when we had to out of respect for each other's new relationships. See, 100% can be done. Anyhow, let's get into question number three. Now I am going to bring a, well, I think this is interesting and I would love to know your take, Laura. I've been with my boyfriend for over a year now. I'm very much a saver with a deposit in the bank ready to go. And I'm working towards buying a property. I've shared how much money I have with my partner, but he won't give even the slightest indication to what he has. He tells me to start investing, but then when I ask him if he has investments, he will not tell me anything. He's just so cryptic and private about money. Is it fair of me to think that he should be a little bit more transparent? Should I be able to know what he has in the bank? How am I meant to commit to someone that I don't know is even on the same page? Help. Now I find this so interesting. Money is the second biggest reason why people break up. Yeah. Cheating. Cheating, cheating number one. <laughs> Probably kids in there somewhere, but that cheating. No, cheating. And then finances. Yeah. Because like it's one of those massive pillars in a relationship that you kind of have to be on the same page with. Like either you've got to be heading in the same direction, working towards the same goals, have similar money personalities so that, you know, if one person's a massive spender, one person's a save, all that jazz. But like I think after a year – 
like a year of being in a relationship, if you're like committed and you've been talking about working towards certain life goals together, there should be a level of transparency around money. hundred percent. And like, and it's not about the dollar value. It's not about I have this much saved and you have this much saved. It's got nothing to do with that. But I would want to know, I don't want to know what my partner has in the bank. Like I don't need to know that, but I need to know, uh, are you saving? Do you have money? Are you working towards a house? Are you working towards, what are your goals? Are you... $50,000 in debt because you have a gambling problem. These are things that I would want to know about my partner, but I don't okay. need to know the exact dollar value. But how high level do you want to know? So if you're saying you want to have an idea about their finances, like if they're like, yeah, 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 I've got some savings. Like, I mean, there's a big difference between having $10,000 worth of savings and $100,000 worth of savings. Like, did you expect there to be like transparency in terms of that? Or do you kind of just want- If we were, it depends. So you could be with someone for a year- and still see them once a week and not even know if you they're your penguin and you want to spend your life with them. You could be with someone for a year and you're obsessed, you're talking about marriage. It depends where you are in the relationship. I mean, I was pregnant in a year, so yeah. Exactly. <laughs> she can move real fast yeah. if you're not careful, guys. Yeah, so if I think if you're if you're serious about each other and you talk about the future, then money is something that you talk about. That's what I think. If you if you know that you guys are committing, you're going down the same path. Because to me, okay, there's, there's two scenarios here. He's either fucking loaded and he doesn't want you to know or he's really bad with money and he doesn't have anything of his own. Either Both of them are fine. Both of them are fine. But there's not really another reason for you to be cryptic. And I don't think it's fair. Okay, I disagree. I think there is a third reason. And the third reason comes around the level of investment in the relationship. Like maybe he doesn't see a long-term future. That's a possibility. Maybe he doesn't think, you know, this is the person I'm going to spend my life with. So I don't need to talk about my finances and where I'm going to be in the next five, 10 years. I think when there's, this isn't for all cases, but I do think that when there's real transparency around where you're at and your financial goal setting, it's a symbol of like the committedness in a relationship. And it doesn't have to always be the case, but I think that people feel a lot more like bonded with their partner when they know that they're working towards the same financial goals. Yeah, but this is the thing that gets me. The height of him to say you should be investing your money, you should be doing this with your money, but not that, but they're not reciprocating that information. So if he said that's why I kind of think like maybe it's one sided because he's not saying, Oh, we should invest together. He's like, yeah, good for you. Go invest your money. Like he's kind of saying, well, why don't you grow your financial wealth and take care of your own financial stability independently of me? That's what I'm reading into this. And maybe that's like a harsh and critical way of reading into this, but he's not saying this is where we're going together. He's saying, Hey, good for you. Go do that without me which kind of, to me, might scream some alarm bells. Well, your question is, should you know more? Yeah. If he's telling you that, great, go and invest your money, he's literally, you, your quote said, he tells me to go and invest my money. I think it's reciprocal. Information is reciprocal. You've been together for a year. I think it's fine. I don't think you know, need to know the details, but I would be saying to my partner, why? I would literally be like, why do you feel like you can't trust me with this information? Or why do you not want to talk about money? Like I, I would say, are we move? I just want to know if we're moving in the right direction after a year. Again, I don't even know your age or the, the details of the relationship. But for me at this point of my life, if I've been with someone for a year, that's because I think I'm going to be with them. I don't fuck around anymore to date because I'm looking for my forever person. After one year being together, I would want to know if we're on the same page and that's it. We don't have to have the same money in the bank. It doesn't matter who earns more. It doesn't matter who does what. As long as we're both moving in the same direction, yes, you can have that conversation purely because he's having it with you. He's asking you. He's telling you to put your money into investments. So I think that you can pull him up a bit and say, well, should we talk about what what you're doing with your money? Are we moving in the same direction? Just ask the question. 
do you have savings for a house? If he says, I don't want to tell you, he's hiding something. There's no reason for him not to be able to say, yeah, yeah, I'm working towards something. Yeah. And I guess like on what you're saying, Britt, like, I mean, we're assuming that he's brought the conversation to her. Like there's a very good chance that she said, Hey, I had this money. And he's like, cool. I'm not wanting to have the conversation, go and invest it. Like totally. Th- there's a very good possibility here that like he doesn't talk about money at all. And I think like the only way to approach this is like, if you're in a situation in your partnership or in your relationship where your partner is very secretive around money and you don't feel like there is open channels of communication, it's asking the questions. It's not being afraid for them to shut the question down or to shut the conversation down. And maybe they will, but no answer is also an answer. Like that shows you where they stand. It shows you how comfortable they are. And it also shows you whether you are on the same page in terms of money. And we all know that that's a really, really fucking important part of a relationship to be on the same page as. And of course, nobody has to talk about anything they don't want to. We know that in a relationship. But if my partner was saying to me after a year... I don't want to talk to, to you a about direct, it. a direct question that I've asked them that like, I, I don't want to talk to you about it. I don't want to tell you anything about it. Even my goals, something's not right. That's how I feel. I would be a bit like, well, this doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Yeah. I totally, Tinder swindler. <laughs> totally, I totally agree. I totally agree. And I think like for women having financial literacy and having control over, you know, how they're investing their money, not only their own money, but where that relationship's going in terms of like your joint finances is really, really important. Well, that is it. Three short, sharp, down and dirty, sexy questions. They weren't even that sexy today. They weren't today. sexy today, they were, they were but, uh, but they, were all, they were all different questions we hadn't really had before, but ones I really wanted to visit. So hopefully, I don't know, how many people have money problems out there? How many people are fucking their brother's friends? Who knows? Probably a few of them. How many people have money problems and are fucking their brother's friends together? If you have a question for next week's Ask Uncut or you have one for radio, you can slide into our DMs at Life Uncut Podcast on the Instagrams. You can also jump in on the Facebook group which is life uncut discussion group because that is where all the saucy stuff goes down don't forget to tell your mum tea dad tea dog tea friends and share the love because we love love no